Good morning once again. Oh, surely you can do better than that. Good morning once again. Much better. And may I say what a blessing and honor it is to fill your pulpit today. I am sure that my own flock is in very good hands with uh, Reverend Joey. Um, now, I'm going to start this, uh, this particular sermon with a softball of a question for you. Um, you see, uh, fill in the blank. Be careful what you wish for, because you just might get it. Yes. Now, if you look at today's gospel reading, which comes to us from the lectionary, this is the passage that comes uh, third of all after the question that is put to Jesus by the religious authorities, by the Pharisees in Israel. They ask, by what authority do you teach? You also have to put this particular passage, which is very troubling. I often ask my own flock um, when they say, thanks be to God, after the gospel reading, and it is as strange and terrible sounding as today's. Are you really sure about that? Do you want to say thank you after hearing about the wailing and the gnashing of the teeth? And that usually elicits a couple of strange looks, maybe a couple of chuckles as well. But this passage today is perplexing, vexing, and hard to parse upon first glance. In fact, if you think about the mindset that Jesus was in, this is Jesus after he has caused a, an unholy ruckus in the temple, if you will, flipping over tables. And the authorities, the Pharisees, have the gall to come to him and ask, by what authority do you teach? Because it's not ours. The Pharisees are saying, you're not one of us. You are not a religious authority that we recognize. We have nothing to do with you. And Jesus, ever, ever crafty Jesus, talks about the authority that he comes from coming directly from God and being one that he can preach about the kingdom of heaven. Now here's another fill in the blank for you. Don't even think about today's reading. I'm going to say, the kingdom of heaven is like. What does that elicit for you? Don't be afraid. Go ahead and shout it out. What's the common parable that we like to think about when we think about the kingdom of heaven? Is like a mustard seed, right? That's the popular one. The mustard seed. The symbol of big, great hope and dream and faith coming alive from such little, tiny, humble origins. Growing into this great, big shrub that yields its fruit. However, you don't see anything like that today. You see the parable of the king throwing the wedding banquet. Be careful what you ask of Jesus. Right? I asked you, be careful what you wish for because you might just get it. Be careful what you ask of your Lord because you just might receive an answer. And it might be an answer that you're not looking for, that you least expect. It might even be an answer that you don't like. How many of you have ever received an answer from God that you didn't particularly like? Don't be shy. You can raise your hand. 
and raise them higher. Right? One of the hardest words in the English language to master, especially for all of us who are all so busy in our own times and seasons, is one of the shortest answer, uh, one of the shortest words in the English language. Do you know what it is? No. One of the hardest words to master is no. And I think that that's one of the hardest words from God to hear. When we hear God tell us no. When we ask God for healing to heal a loved one. When we ask God for a promotion. When we ask God to bless us with another child and we hear no. That can be one of the toughest situations to deal with in our journeys of faith. It can be difficult. It can elicit feelings within us of unworthiness. Feelings within us that (coughs) somehow we are not good enough. Our faith is not good enough. Our faith is not strong enough to get us the thing that we asked the Lord for. But a passage today comes flying in our face that talks about worthiness and unworthiness. Because the original subset of people that God, that the king invites in Jesus' parable today, they blow the king off. They want nothing to do with the banquet. They make their excuses. In fact, in the gospel according to Luke, you actually have another account of the parable of the wedding banquet, and that's the one that the excuses come from. Can't just got married. Can't just bought a field. Can't just bought livestock. I'm not going to bother with going to the banquet, going to the party. Here, there is no excuse to be made. It's just a flat refusal. And the king is enraged, and he says that those people have made themselves unworthy. So he tells his attendants, go in to the streets, find everyone you can. Find the good and the bad. The good and the bad. Now that's not something that we normally think about as dining in the presence of God. We don't normally think of faith as being for people who are both good and bad. But here we go in today's text. The king wants everyone. Not just you sitting in the fourth row, how very Presbyterian of you. Not just those working the soundboards. Not even just Colin up here. The king wants everyone. Now the refusal that is originally, um, that the king originally meets with, that has to do with the religious authorities. Those who are rejecting Jesus' words. And Jesus says, well, okay, you want to reject me, that's fine, I guess. Not fine for you, because you have made yourself unworthy. But see, here's the thing about worthiness or unworthiness. You're never as unworthy as you think you are. Um, uh, I will tell you something, a very brief factoid about myself. I won't go too far into it, but um, (coughs) something that wasn't in my bio. Yes, I love cats. Yes, I have two children, and I live in Sports Creek. However, before I did this gig, I was a manager of a movie theater. And it was a lot of fun. 
until it wasn't. It was a lot of fun until the pandemic hit. But one of the things that I um, had a joy and a privilege to do was to screen movies before they came out. In particular, the Marvel movies or the Star Wars movies. How many of you have ever seen any of the Thor movies? Or any of the movies with Thor in them? Okay, so what's Thor's deal? He's got this big hammer named Mjolnir, and whoever is worthy of the power of Thor can lift this hammer. But who determines worthiness? Does the hammer determine worthiness? Does uh, Thor's father Odin determine worthiness when he lifts the hammer? You have to think about who determines worthiness and whose um, opinion of worthiness we are judging ourselves based on. Because, um, well, imposter syndrome is a real thing. You guys have, if you've never heard of it by that, that term, I'm sure that you've heard of the fake it till you make it, right? Imposter syndrome. I'm not good enough. I can't deal with uh, the success of other people. I'm not as good as them. And yet, think about who you are judging yourselves. I'm going to go with the pulpit mic if that's okay. Can we turn the pulpit mic on? Tiny ears and all. Here we go. All right. Think about your definition of worthiness. Now think about God's definition of worthiness. Do you think that they are one and the same? I'm seeing some shaking of heads. Will any of you be so bold as to actually say the word that is the hardest in the English language to master? No. Your definition of worthiness is not the same as God's definition of worthiness. In fact, according to this parable, no one's worthy, right? You have the religious elites and the authorities who deem themselves unworthy because they won't even bother to show up. And then you have, by the standard of that day and age, the unworthy, the blind, the lame, the crippled, those that Jesus ministered to, who would have been perceived to be not good enough to be fully functioning people. Those who were poor, those who were destitute, those that the aristocracy at the top levels of the, the, the Jewish government and of the uh, top levels of the religion would have looked down upon and would have seen as lesser than and those unworthies are also invited to the banquet. Now, this is a very heavy, heavy parable. And I think that there is some power to it. Um, but, you know, um, it's almost a shame. I didn't know that you guys took the kids out of service, and that's okay. Um, you know, uh, I, I stress, Google is your friend. There is a song that I learned at camp as a camp counselor. And because this is such a heavy, heavy parable, uh, I figured I would lighten the, uh, lighten the mood a little bit. Now, you'll have to forgive me because um, music is not a spiritual gift of mine. So I'm going to give this my best try. Um, it is a, uh, now what do you know of, of camp, like camp songs, campfire songs? What a, what's a good campfire song? Kumbaya, okay, so some of you are mentioning actual, like, actual songs. This is the wedding banquet song. 
Now, any, any good camp song, you have your serious camp songs, that kumbaya, yes, but you also have your zany, wacky, and silly ones. And I'm going to teach you a zany, wacky, and silly one that has to do with today's passage. And I'll sing the chorus for you, and hopefully, you know, it earworms in, and you'll find yourself humming it throughout the day. I cannot come to the banquet, don't trouble me now. I have married a wife, I have bought me a cow. I have fields and commitments that cost a pretty sum. Pray hold me excused, I cannot come. And you're supposed to go, woo, at the very end of each refrain. Now, it has to do with the rejection of God's word, of the idea of, well, you know, God's word, I'm just going to completely close my ears off and not pay any attention to it. But both the worthy and the unworthy, the good and the bad, are called. God calls each of us according to our own time, according to our own season. And the last couple verses of the wedding banquet song, which mercifully I will not sing for you, when all the poor had assembled, There still was room to spare, so the master demanded, Go search everywhere, to the highways and the byways, and force them to come in. My table must be filled before the banquet can begin. Now, I would hazard a guess and say that some of you sitting out in those pews today, you feel pretty lousy, you feel pretty crummy. Um, Maybe, you know, you were cheering for the other team that U of M blew out horribly yesterday but you're probably mostly U of M people, or maybe some MSU people as well. However, the idea of feeling like you're not good enough, I'd say that there's probably some of you out there who have regrets about your past, regrets about your present. Thank you. Awesome. Here we go. How about now? Good? Okay, excellent. So some of you probably have regrets about what's going on in your life right now. Some of you probably have regrets and look back on your past and talk about, and talk to yourself, negative self-talk about, well, I could have done this better, I could have done that better. Regardless of your level of worthiness, regardless of your self-worth, God loves you and God calls you all the same, each and every one of us. However, After God calls you, where the rubber meets the road, that is what you see at the very end of this parable, where you see the person who has somehow been invited, accepted the invitation, come into the banquet, and not put on the wedding robe, not put on the ceremonial clothing. And sometimes clothing, the right clothing makes the right context come to life. For instance, my son and I take karate. We take Tang Soo Do on Cherry Street in Flushing. And uh, every time, without fail, Rowan asks me to stop at the store and get a Gatorade right afterward. And I'm not about to go into, you know, a 7-Eleven in wearing full karate uniform. That's not the time or place for that. Now, maybe some of you have found yourself in the right context but wearing the wrong clothing. It's a faux pas that I think affects all of us every now and then. But what is going on here is that this person is thrown out because they are not wearing the right 
clothing, the right manner of dress. Now, it's not literal clothing. You know, we're not talking about what you wear on a Sunday morning to church service. We're not talking about Sunday best versus casual Friday. We're talking about the idea of putting on Christ, the idea of clothing yourself with Christ, which is what the ancient church referred to as baptism. And it has to do with actual, genuine, radical change and transformation. That once God calls you to be a part of the festivities, once God calls you to be a part of the banquet, the party, the feast, you cannot be the same person that you were when you met Jesus as you are after you meet Jesus. Jesus has the power to transform, to renew, to change you. And you have to be open and receptive. And you have to give of yourself and have the humility and the humbleness to realize that you cannot do this on your own. Yes, you're unworthy. Yes, you feel unworthy. But God makes you worthy. God has washed you clean of everything that sets you apart of all sins, iniquities, every way in which you fall short. And now you are made clean to worship the Lord and to enjoy him forever. And to God be the glory for both those worthy as well as those unworthy for all those good and bad and everything in between. God loves us all. Amen.